This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by PenguinRandomHouse.com. Sisters, how y'all feel? Brothers, y'all all right? If this is your first time at Truth Table, welcome to the table. And if you've been sitting at the table with us all these years, we are so grateful that you have been listening to us through these years. And we are inviting you to partner with us and support our work at Patreon.com slash Table. Now pull up a chair and have a seat at the table with us. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm Kemeny. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, see How you doing, girl? I am doing well. You know, the sun is shining. We've got, we've got good weather. We are recording in person. And people who we listen are. to the show know that when we record in person, it is a special treat. And anything could happen. Anything could anything. happen. Wardrobe changes, wardrobe <laughs> malfunctions, <laughs> hair changes. Listen. Microphones. Listen. Yeah, anything. All anything kinds is on the things. table, y'all. And today is a very special day in yes. terms of anything can happen. Yes. Because we have a lovely guest with us today. The, the Dr. Monique Godson is here with us today. Yeah. And I am excited because, you know, I'm very pro-psychologist. And so we have <laughs> not just one psychologist at the table, but two Cause that's how much intervention we need people today. <laughs> and I'm about to get therapized. <laughs> okay, not really, but yeah, not, not really. I do be really. tapping on them like, wait a minute. I will get therapized at dinner though. <laughs> I will. I already know. I'm already prepared. So that's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Everybody can catch a little something. There you go. <laughs> but just in case y'all don't know who our dear sister, Dr. Monique Smith Gadsden is. I'm going to tell you a little something about her. Okay. Dr. Monique Smith-Gadson is a licensed professional counselor, consultant, speaker, and owner of 4C Counseling and Consulting Services. Her areas of professional and ministerial interest include premarital and pre-engagement education, counseling. We need that. Well. Uh, individual development, family of origin relationships, marriage and family therapy, and education, the intersection of theology and psychology, and the church and mental health ministry. She serves as a consultant to churches, assisting with program and ministry development that creates synergy and builds healthy and effective relationships. Monique writes on integrating emotional, mental, and developmental issues with spirituality, specifically Christianity. She is an advocate for mental health issues, especially in the African-American church and community. She served for 16 years as the clinical mental health counselor for a suburban church in East Atlanta. Currently, she is an assistant professor of counseling psychology with the Seattle School of Psychology and Theology. Welcome to the table, Dr. Gadsden. Come Good on. to have you here, sis. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> It's been a long time coming. You made help it. Us. <laughs> help, help us. Help us, Dr. Mo. Help us. <laughs> Family, I'm so happy yes. to be here. Thank y'all. Yes, it's, it's a real, it's a, a real, it's a real treat to have you here. Oh my goodness! And um, and and obviously we talk to you fairly frequently. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Yes. We do. There, there, there are some people that you know. Literally, it is our first time meeting them when we interview them on the show. Yes, and it's mm-hmm. a meet and greet, and it's very nice. You know, mm-hmm. they're typically. <laughs> 89 percent of the time, 99% of the time, it's a lovely, 99. lovely first time meeting. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but every once in a while, we get to talk to somebody that we talk to all the time. Like we are, we are in the chats. You know, we're in the text messages. We're in a, you know, in the intercessory prayer. Listen, we this, yes, we this are serious. a part of the team. Okay, that's right. we are almost like a singing group known as the prayer warrior chat. Prayer warriors, chat it? text messages that we have, and <laughs> and we have lots of things to pray about. By the way, right. Amen. <laughs> a lot of things. Listen, the block is hot inside the text messages that we Amen. have that we are praying Amen. about. But I'm so grateful to, to welcome you in this very Thank formal you. way. 
way. Thank you, thank you. For our audience. And for those uh, those of you who are a part of the Black Women's Facebook Discipleship Group, you've had the pleasure of being yes. taught mm-hmm. by yeah. Dr. Gadsden inside <laughs> that group. But today we get to just learn from her. And mm-hmm. I, I, before we before we go there, I would just love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners in your own way. Yes. We've got your formal introduction. Your and obviously we feel like we know you a little bit, a little a swig here and there. But <laughs> but how would you want to introduce yourself? Tell them tell them who you are and what makes you makes you who you are. Oh my goodness. Who am I and what makes me who I am? <laughs> Ooh, do we have enough time? Come on. Man. Come on. No, it's no, very no. Ther- very ther- therapist question. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll just kind of start out with saying, um, because I think it really forms like, as you say, who I am and the work that I do. So when I arrived here on earth, I was already the daughter of a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like I was born one month and the very next month he was being installed. My dad was being installed at um, as his first pastorate. Yeah. So um, that's what I've known my formative years growing up in the church, you know, being part of a ministerial family. So um, kind of knowing church, you know, the ins, the outs, the mm-hmm. uh, late nights, the all day Sundays and all of the things um that's um been really formative in um who i am as in the work that i do now um grew up between two brothers so middle child syndrome as my folks used to say yeah i got that going on but i say that simply because i know part of our conversation too is um just have always had um just affinity for the black man Mm -hmm. you know just Mm -hmm. kind of knowing that um you know, the societal <laughs> treatment um, of black men. So I think just kind of growing up with brothers and kind of being around um, black guys a lot, just, you know, their friends and my friends and everything, um, mm. that that has also informed a lot of the work that I do mm. in terms of being, uh, well, kind of with the book, you know, just kind of wanting to be alongside uh, guy friend, you know, helping him through yes. his struggle. So just kind of throw yeah. that in because I know conversation will be about that later on. But married, um, been married for a long minute. Uh, we stopped counting. We said <laughs> have two girls, two younger <laughs> talkers. Yeah. So yeah. long y'all stopped counting. I That's love it. We hit 20. It. it was like, all right. Then. Yeah. We're somewhere between 20 and 30. We're closer to 30 now. But um, that is yeah. So, so uh, married, college sweetheart. So yeah. Oh, and um, That's how I feel about my age. I stopped counting too. Because you're the college sweetheart. Too. Too. That's true. Oh, yes. That's I right. went to a college right. sweetheart as well. College yeah. sweetheart, yes. And <laughs> two young adult daughters. Um, so, yeah, Beautiful. that's a journey in and of itself as well. But yeah. That's, that's who I am. So. Uh, wow. 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 Well, thank you. Thank you for introducing us. And, yeah. You know, I learned a little bit more about you, even just from your own self introduction. So, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, y'all, the topic on the table really is it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but we really will be kind of centering in on. Uh, epidemic of loneliness and how that works out mm-hmm. and different relationships and how it shows up, you know, um, in our lives. And uh, because earlier this year, I can already say that now because we're so far into the year now. <laughs> is, it, is it not moving? Like it's not like this year is moving. Yes. <laughs> but earlier this year, the Surgeon De- General, I'm going to actually read a little something um, from from him. Um, the U.S. Department of Health and Her- Human Services released um, a press release actually in May 2023. And um, Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy calls for action um, to address the public health crisis of loneliness in our nation. And so um, he says, you know, I'm just gonna re- well, it's, it says, let me say, it, it says, uh, today, United States Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy released a new Surgeon General advisory warning 
Okay. Um, calling attention to the public health crisis of loneliness, isolation, and lack of connection in our country. Even before the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, pandemic, approximately half of U.S. adults reported experiencing measurable levels yeah. of loneliness. Disconnection fundamentally affects our mental, physical, and societal health. In fact, loneliness and isolation increase the risk for individuals to develop mental health challenges in their lives, and lacking connection can increase the risk for premature death to levels comparable to smoking daily. Wow. Okay. And so... Um, so, yeah, so I just wanted to lift that up to kind of help uh, frame our discussion. Uh, and, you know, I just would love to hear from you mm-hmm. in your line of work mm-hmm. and uh, dealing, you know, working with, it's, it seems like different <laughs> uh, uh, people in different life stages, Yes, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, in their lives. I want to see from your own experience, your own clinical mm-hmm. experience, what mm-hmm. have you seen? Does this ring true in your own practice and in your own work and how do you help people um, navigate and facilitate deep connection Yeah, to combat that? Yeah. So I would say, yes, definitely have seen it. I'm going to kind of um, pull from the years that I served at the church, especially sure. because yeah. I kind of would think of myself as a general practitioner when I was there mm-hmm. um, because um, I would see, you know, people would bring their children or their teenagers or, you know, the elderly or mm-hmm. the married couple. So mm. I did. I saw like the whole gamut, you know, yeah. the population. And um, I can safely say that over those years, there was um, a theme of loneliness in every generation, mm. you know, in every population. So it could look like in the children um, being bullied. And so therefore, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a little social isolation there, um, not wanting to develop relationships because they are afraid, like, okay, are you going to hurt me? Like I've been Mm -hmm. hurt. I'm teenagers. Mm -hmm. Same thing, you know, we're moving into this age of social media. um, And so they are very engrossed in, you know, connecting via the, the phone and technology. And really what I have observed and have stated aloud is that they lack relational skills. They really don't know how to be with each other. And, mm. and I mean, I know that professionally and personally, my girls could have, you know, friends over and they're all like on their phones. And I'm thinking, let's put those away and let's be together, right, you know, while right, we're in right. this space. So seeing it there, um, mm-hmm. for sure, loneliness happens within marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to say that one first before yes. I even talk about singles, sure. um, you know, singles and, and loneliness, because we tend to think of that kind of automatically, mm-hmm, but right. there are some married people who are very lonely, you know, within Absolutely. their marriages and, um, in the elderly, if they've lost, um, spouses, you know, and friends. And I can even remember my dear aunt telling me, um, when she was nearing her eighties and she said, you know, I've lost a lot of friends that yes, are my yes. age, you know, a lot of people oh, yes. in the community and in mm. church. And so yeah. there is this epidemic. Yeah. I, I would truly um, be able to speak to across the, the population, across, you know, the um, developmental timeline, if you will, that there, there is this epidemic of loneliness mm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I, when I think about what it means to be in a community, mm-hmm. but still alone. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so that that lets us know that loneliness is more than just being a, the absence right. of having people around. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it, can you give us some examples of maybe um, the ways in which loneliness misshapes 
people, the way that it um, burdens them? Uh, and, and how would we be able to recognize that in ourselves? And the reason why I say that is because I think there's shame attached mm -hmm. to people clearly stating that they They're are lonely, lonely. Yes. particularly mm -hmm. people in uh, Christian spaces, yes. believers. I think, yes. as we know, there's a whole lot of mental health stigma in general, but to, to right. confess out loud, I feel lonely. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I'm wondering if maybe it'd be helpful to work backwards. Mm -hmm. Then in other words, people are less likely to consciously say I'm lonely, mm -hmm. but maybe there's some other ways that they would know that, that they could lead them to saying that out loud. So mm -hmm. what might be some of the signs of loneliness? Yeah, so it very well could be when you are in a group of people and you feel like you don't belong, like you don't connect, you know, mm -hmm. it's like I'm sitting with these people and, and so let's use the church setting as, as we are kind of talking about, you know, you're thinking, okay, um, we use that language, oh, just join a ministry, you know, when you first come mm -hmm. in. And so, okay, mm -hmm. people join the ministry and they very well can be among people and feel this sense of disconnect, sure, you yeah. know, um, or even feel as though they don't know. And this kind of goes back to what I really believe when we lack the relational skills, just really feeling as though I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to even begin yeah. the conversation, you yeah. know? So if people kind of find themselves in, in that place, I think that, um, that's one way that we can, we can, you know, look within and say, Hey, you know, is this, could this be that I'm, I'm really lonely, even though I am among mm -hmm. this group of, of, of individuals. And I also believe too, that there is a lot of social anxiety, you yeah, know, for sure. for sure. But I think it shows up in different ways, kind of as you're speaking. But I also believe that there is this, um, because I'm, I'm seeing this not just in the church, but also in the classroom, where it's this sense of, uh, if I mess up, yeah. I'm going to get canceled. You know, if mm -hmm. I say the wrong thing. So much so, burden to be perfect. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there's mm -hmm. almost like this walking on, you know, eggshells. Yeah, mm -hmm. when I'm trying to say something and I don't know, you know, what this person's, you know, political belief system may be or, you know, yeah. how they feel about this or that. And so seeing students, um, you know, kind of posted in each corner, you know, I, I kind of thought of it as like mm. everybody's holding a base, you know, and I'm saying well, you don't want to come to the middle and play, kind of get into the game, you know, basically you is what, what I was asking students. And so there, there is this sense of, they just felt that they, you know, as long as they were talking kind of like small talk, everything mm -hmm. was fine, but trying to forge the relationship to prepare to, you know, engage in this, this term together. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's a real fear of um, connecting. And I think it is due to that fear of being canceled. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. And therefore rejected. Right? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thrown away. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. 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 Treated as disposable, all types of uh, terrible, mm -hmm. you know, feelings mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and impact that would have on, on yeah. any any person, you know, mm -hmm. so um, I, uh, I want to, you know, I'm going to intro it. And then after commercial break, I want you to <laughs> break this down. Uh, but yeah, it just sounds like there is just no uh, grace for people to grow. No grace for people to grow, um, you know, in this culture that we're in, at least at the moment, you know, to get things wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the only way we grow and we learn is for us to get, get things wrong. But um, I, I wonder in your own practice, how, uh, do you begin to coach people and um, teach people to um, 
gain emotional resilience mm-hmm. so that they might um, grow the courage, mm-hmm. grow in courage and bravery mm-hmm. to step out, mm-hmm. you know, and to begin to build emotional connection. Yeah. So think on that yes. and, <laughs> and we'll take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back uh, after this, these messages. So yes. keep it locked. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Us by National Book Award winner Jacqueline Woodson brings readers a powerful story that delves deeply into life's burning questions about time and memory and what we take with us into the future. It seems like Sage's whole world is on fire the summer before she starts seventh grade. As house after house burns down, her Bushwick neighborhood gets referred to as the matchbox in the local papers. And while Sage prefers to spend her time shooting hoops with the guys, she's also trying to figure out her place inside the circle of girls she's known since childhood, a group that each day feels further and further away from her. But it's also the summer of Freddie, a new kid who truly gets Sage. Together, they reckon with the pain of missing things that get left behind as time moves on, savor what's good in the present, and buoy each other up in the face of destruction. And when the future comes, it is Sage's memories of the past that show her the way forward. Remember Us speaks to the power of both letting go and holding on. Buy Remember Us wherever books are sold. All right, we are back at the table with our dear sister, Dr. Monique Smith-Gadson. Uh, so yeah, so right before the per- commercial break, I was um, you know, speaking to you about how there's just no, doesn't seem like there's any grace for people to grow, right? Um, and so well, with, within this cultural context, let's just say it that way. You know, you, you can't seem to be able to make a mistake. You got to be perfect. You know, that's, that's the sense that people are, the pressure that people are feeling. Yeah. Um, and I wonder in your own work and in your practice and working with people from across different demographics and class status and goodness, <laughs> all the runs the gamut, right? In your own general practice. I'm curious about how you help people grow uh, emotional resilience so that they can um, tap into courage, the courage and bravery that one needs in order to step out from holding up the walls, those four corners you talked about, yeah. and to go in and enter into relationship and connectivity yeah. with other people. How, how do you do that? Yeah, or I how think, people do that? right. I think the first thing they have to acknowledge like what, are the fears that's right like what mm-hmm. are you afraid of mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. what what are you thinking is going to happen because there is some meaning that we are associating with you know oh i don't want to say anything i don't want to say the wrong thing you know so we yeah. we have an outcome probably in our minds we have a meaning that's already ascribed to mm-hmm. that so first and foremost i'm asking what what is it that you are afraid of you know what is the worst in your mind that you're thinking could happen. So um, once they are able to kind of start talking through the fears, and sometimes, um, and you you very well know, Christina, as you say, we talk clinician to cl- clinician, <laughs> sometimes a lot of that is trauma-informed, sure. you know, from what people have experienced in their own lives. And so yes. they're thinking, okay, well, I don't want to um mess this up I, so the case in point this just popped into my head so um a student i had them role playing okay and um i had a student who uh, two students and husband wife kind of a thing and you know we were doing some role playing and the the guy goes oh my god i screwed up my first marriage and i don't even know what to say here 
So he's taking, you know, his real life scenario and is projected into just this role playing that we're doing in the classroom setting. Mm -hmm. So I know sometimes it is also trauma informed. So we talk about that and we're talking about, okay, what have you experienced? What, what are part of your lived experiences that may be informing again, these fears Mm -hmm. that you have that Mm -hmm. keep you from wanting to engage in this relationship or try to do this um, work of connecting with one another. Mm. Um, So I think that once you are able to um, acknowledge those fears and kind of work through those. And then Mm -hmm. I I talk to people a lot about um, the corrective emotional experience. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that even just using that language, I hope that that is a way where people can feel they can just kind of, you know, exhale. It's like, it's, corrective that means things have not gone well or right or you know whatever the case may be somewhere along the way and as we're trying to correct it and and we we know that you know it's like it's a a give a take you know it's a back and forth it's kind of trial and error Mm -hmm. and so i try to really normalize that although we live in a culture that does not You know, so trying to help them to understand like, okay, just because this is what's happening out there does not necessarily mean Mm -hmm. it's the healthy thing that's Mm -hmm. happening. And so I'm hoping that when people do understand that and they can, um, I I mean, and just even learning things like, you know, I'm sorry, I, I did not know that this might you know, offend you or upset you. That was not my intention. Mm -hmm. You know, just being able to kind of fill in those gaps, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's kind of like, oh gosh, you know, we just kind of go from zero to 100. And I'm thinking, um, I I say so often, what does it look like in between? What does that in between work Mm -hmm. look like? Mm -hmm. And so helping people to just try to imagine more about what would I say or could say, or would like to even say. So many times I've even talked to people and say, what do you want to say to them? And they would say, I want to say this, but I don't know if it's, you know, offensive or will it hurt or whatever the case may be. And, um, and so in like in the, the, the classroom, I'll say, well, say it to the person and let's just see how he goes, you know? So I try to get them to, um, build up that courage. Like you're saying, just through normalizing the Mm -hmm. fact that it takes trial and error i mean you know it's murky it's just not going to be perfect it's just not so yeah Mm that's good the reminder of the importance of that corrective emotional experience Mm -hmm. right so some of some you know some people depending on your school of thought right some people Mm -hmm. would look at that kind of like you know freudian repetition compulsion that we continue to go through these loops of the same scenario Mm -hmm. over and over again like what Mm -hmm. how did i get here again Mm -hmm. how did i get here again right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I, i tend to um I look at that as at, at times as a measure of grace. Yes. That yes. that we are here again, although it doesn't feel like grace. It feels That's awful. Right. right. It feels yeah. like right. it feels like this is a terrible deja vu, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it is a measure of grace in that God is giving us an opportunity to do something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's a script that has told us this is how it's always going Absolutely. to be. That's right. And I, I think about in my life and in the lives of people I know, but even throughout scripture, mm-hmm. these moments that feel like deja vu, mm-hmm. but there's a re- mix that happens this time that's right right. so there's a remix that happens with joseph and his brothers yes right Mm -hmm. so joseph has experienced uh being mistreated by those who said they would have his back Mm -hmm. his brothers then Mm -hmm. certainly by those who he had explained prophecy to explained dreams they didn't have his back right away it took a long time he sat in the jail for a long time a long time And, and then even and then even as he was hiding his identity Finally, eventually, he has this moment again, this full circle, 
where something different happens in that's that right. moment. Yeah. That's right. And I, I think, I think for all of us who are feeling like we are, we keep repeating these unhealthy cycles. Groundhog's there could be a day. grace in there. That's right. That's for right. something different to come out that's the next right. time around. Absolutely. And so, talk a little bit about how you minister to people through and within the work of psychology, which we know is a controversial field. Right? That's right. Yes. Uh, even when I mentioned kind of this Freudian concept, mm-hmm. people are like, "Oh, All right. watch, out, watch out!" You know, save your um, emails. Yes. Well, I, clearly, because Lord knows I'm not reading them, but <laughs> I, just, I just don't have time, saints. But, 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 tell us about how. Um, yeah, this this PK. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you mm-hmm. uh, minister through this field of psychology. Yeah, so it's so interesting. I think you know, <laughs> looking back on probably how it had begun for me. I remember. Um, so this was back in the day before. Well, small town Alabama. So mm-hmm. before the church was, you know, five days a week operational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The pastor's house was, you know, the spot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, you know, there was no calling the secretary and saying, oh, I would like to meet with the pastor. You know, it's just kind of mm-hmm. like call the house. Well, pastor mm-hmm. Smith, I need to come by and talk to you, you know. And as children, we were kind of sent to your rooms, you know, get your snacks and your water and whatever you need. Don't come out. <laughs> okay, yes. So, um, but I can just remember hmm. hearing people um, clearly upset. Like I could just hear people wailing and I would think Mm. to myself, like, oh my God, what are they saying? Like, what are they saying? Or what is he saying to them? You know, that is causing these intense emotional Mm. um, responses. And I remember asking my dad once, and I said, well, dad, what do you do? Like, what are you, like, what do you do? And he said, I pray with people. And I said, well, what about when they walk away? And he said, I just continue to pray. And so it was a day where they did not know, or if they did know, as you know, the mistrust, the suspicion, you know, in the world of psychology, there was no go talk to a therapist, right? No talk to a therapist. And so I think then in my early years, I I always just kind of wonder like, what happens when the people leave the altar? What happens when the people, you know, leave the house? Um, We would know some situations that were going on in the lives of people. And I just kind of always wonder, like, what happens? It just always felt like there was this big gap, you know, like what happens there, right? And so, um, and that's, I guess that question um, was something that just stayed with me. And I can just remember clearly when the Lord um, just said, I want you to go and train as a therapist. And I was thinking, mm. okay, no problem. And then I literally <laughs> heard, but you know, the spirit was saying, you know, prepare to work in the, in the church, the black church specifically. And I'm thinking, Lord, black folk don't do this. Like we don't do therapy. Like yeah, what are you like, talking what about? We, what are you yeah. talking about? But um, nevertheless, I went and, you know, got trained clinically. I mm. um, also did an integrative training in the psychology and the theology. And, being immersed in church, I believe all my life, I just would take what we would learn, the theories. And I'm thinking, this sounds like this, how we may say it in the church. And so I just tried to translate it into the language of church, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so for an example, instead of saying, you know, um, let's start a support group, I would just say, let's, you know, do a ministry for um, those who have that, that have dealt with 
um, overcoming substance or something. Let's have a spiritual ministry, you know, to just kind of uh, minister to them. So I just would speak the language of church, if you will, trying to take psychology and translate it That's into right. the language that we are yeah, accustomed to, mm-hmm. yes. to make it um, that feels so suspect, That's you right. know, and thinking like, oh, OK, are we? you know, are we guinea pigs or, you know, what what are you doing on yeah. us or yeah. with us or with our brains yeah. or with our minds, Especially you know? Especially when people have been that. And right? when that has happened, mm-hmm. and I've had several people right. that would come to me and say wow. that, you know. So I think that um, that is how it started for me to take psychology, to kind of do this work now where I feel like um, I've seen things evolve. It's where once upon a time, it's like psychology was taboo. Now it's like all therapy and no church, mm. you know? Well, so where we're kind of getting well. to, you know, the, my therapist is my my pastor or my preacher, yeah. you know? And I'm kind of thinking, no, we don't know. <laughs> we're not gonna go that far, you yeah. know? Like there is a both end with that. Yeah. So, but, I, but it is interesting to see how over the years, like over the decades that there has been this evolution where people were like, not at all. And now it's like, no, this is kind of my, my sermon, if you will, right. so mm. yeah. That's right, yeah. One thing about them tables. They be turning. They turn. <laughs> <laughs> they turn. They do. They turn. They do. They yes. turn. Well, you know, Monique, um, you wrote um, a book or you co-authored. Co-authored. Yes. Uh-huh. Hope, <laughs> you know, um, in a dark place. And I'm just curious about what prompted you to write that book um, and how, 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 how can believers have a proper understanding of depression and its manifold manifestations because mm-hmm. you know we've come a long way in the black church with regard to mental health um health awareness and understanding yeah. and depression mm-hmm. and bipolar all of the you know mm-hmm. um various ways that ma- mental health you know um issues manifest mm-hmm. you know, but it's still so you know quite a bit of talk about you know oh, yeah. the spirit of depression so how do you how can you help people you know uh, uh have a, a, a really good some good handles, let me say, mm-hmm. you know, um, on, on mental health, um, yeah, on just on mental health issues, yeah. you know, and even just kind of what, what led you to co-author um, yeah. that, that book? Yeah. So, um, co-authoring with Dr. Clarence Schuler, he, mm-hmm. he reached out to me and mm-hmm. asked me, would I write with him? And I was like, why and what are we talking about <laughs> here? Um, but he did say that his, his, um, agent, wanted him to use my voice in this book where he's telling his story about depression. Okay. Black male, black minister, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, all of the areas where you would think um, these people or that person would not have, yes. you know, abouts with depression. So um, I agreed to to do it. So that's how it, it had come about um, for us to be able to, to write that book together. And that, it meant a lot to me on so many levels. And again, kind of going back to what I said initially, um, growing up between two brothers, you know, so just having an affinity for black men and also knowing that black men do not recognize depression, you know, in themselves as easily as, or even at all. So, um, being the writing the book 
came about for him with me saying to him, are you sure you're not depressed about a situation that's in the book mm. that he talks about? And he, mm. and, you know, I'm, I'm angry and I'm thinking, well, angry is, anger is a part of, you know, being depressed. But, yeah, yeah. but as we yes, would right. talk about yeah. it, he, he did come to the conclusion, yes, I am depressed. And so then he um, would, go and start uh, after he kind of dealt with it for some time, he was preaching some sermons on it. And he just told me how many people would come up to him after the sermons and say, we don't hear sermons about depression in church okay. as often as we would need to. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then that is when his agent encouraged him to write the book and, okay. you know, to use, um, you know, my voice with that, my response to it. So mm -hmm. that is how the book had come about. And then when we're talking about depression, one thing that I think mm -hmm. that we, uh, specifically when we have to think about a cultural consideration is that because I know, you know, people don't want the stigma, as you saying in the label. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think that to have to consider um, culturally, specifically kind of black folk, if mm -hmm. you will, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I tell them that what they are going through is it, it's a typical response to be depressed. If you're dealing with systemic issues, you know, day in and day out, there you go. You know, um, so I think helping people to understand that this would be a natural, um, a healthy even response mm. to yes. what they are enduring helps them to accept it more because now it doesn't feel so much like a stigma. Sure, you know, it's sure. like, oh, really? Like, yeah, you may not get people to acknowledge the fact that, you know, you go out every day and you're dealing with microaggressions, you know, or you're dealing with, mm -hmm. um, you know, with structural stuff, you know, stuff on your job that you kind of go, it's because I'm a black man or it's because I'm a black woman. I mean, you know, we just constantly do yeah, it so much. Yeah. It's like just breathing, you know, it's just <laughs> natural for us, you know, <laughs> but to have someone to acknowledge that and to say, well, if you're dealing with that day in and day out and day in and day out, why would you not at some points feel depressed? Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, being able to really filter that through that cultural lens and to be able to say, um, you know, specifically to some kind of black focus, that was been my majority kind of client population, black church folk. Okay. So, um, that, that helps people to be able to recognize like, oh, okay. It, it does not have to necessarily mean that, um, because Christine, I'm sure, you know, people literally think that that means I'm going to have to go and be connected to like electrodes placed uh, on yeah. my head kind of yeah. a thing, you yeah. know, and I'm thinking, no, 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 yeah. no. So I think that once we, we are able to even shape it and, and talk about it in the context of their lived experiences, it helps people to, when I say, no, let me say acknowledge, I don't want to say accept, acknowledge that, okay, yes, yeah, some depression could be present here. Mm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Well, and, and the ways that that shows up, I mean, you talked about uh, mm -hmm. really how insightfully you help to translate the language of psychology mm -hmm. into the language of the, the church context that mm -hmm. you were a part of, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to drag people to That's right. the language of psychology. That's right. And then also just recognizing that, you know, when there's an issue, it's, it is likely that um, there are, it, that it is happening because of 
of spiritual, of physical, of social, of systemic, yes, like all right. of that can all be on the table. Yes, and that doesn't mean that uh, uh, there could be a spiritual dynamic at play. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't rule out an antidepressant medication. That's right. That's <laughs> right. If that's what the Lord wants to right. use to bless you, that's right. right. Yeah. It could be, it could, sometimes things it can be all 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 the above. Mm-hmm. Right? And so mm-hmm. this book is called Finding Hope in a Dark mm-hmm. Place, mm-hmm. Facing Loneliness, Depression, and Anxiety with the power of grace. And I've got to tell you, I just find it so, um, the methodology of the book, the the, the idea of you all telling a story together, mm-hmm. um, which is something that does not happen. Yeah. <laughs> it does right. not yeah. happen. I remember uh, training and having the privilege of watching people who had signed off the rights to allow me to see their therapy sessions mm-hmm. so that I could train. Yeah. And right. and when people we don't you, it's, you know you think about just how gracious it is to do that. That's right. But yes. we cannot train well mm-hmm. apart from pe- people being willing to That's share right. their yeah. story. That's right. And also this collaborative relationship mm-hmm. that is described here. So it it's a really unique book mm-hmm. in that way, and it's a real gift I think to uh, anyone who has struggled with these things: loneliness, depression, and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you uh, hope? as people's takeaway from this book. Mm-hmm. What do you want them to grab a hold of? What do you want them to to make sure that they don't miss? Yeah. Well, I tell people, Clarence always tells people I'm his counselor. And I'm like, I'm not your counselor. <laughs> I'm your friend. He's, uh, like, he's like, uh, you're my counselor. He's like, yeah, he's like you're a counselor. And I'm going, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt that I happen to be a therapist, dude. So, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, he knows. <laughs> counselor friend, yeah, we know. Yeah, we, yeah, we know. Um, but... I think that um, what I want people to walk away knowing is that kind of going back to what we talked about in the beginning, like, you know, this whole epidemic with loneliness, right, is that any person like you don't have to be a therapist Mm -hmm. to help people who are dealing with depression or loneliness Mm -hmm. or anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I try to tell people that, you know, you can be that corrective emotional experience for anybody so i'm hopeful that people will walk away knowing that that they'll just think to themselves i you know just just being kind or just even acknowledging what a person is going through and not trying to especially in the church setting you know it's got spiritual bypass and we spiritualize all of the things you know and as god is just you know going to make you stronger through this and all the things it's like well can we just back up and just give them Mm -hmm. space to say i'm feeling anxious i am lonely i am depressed without Mm -hmm. spiritualizing that so i'm so hopeful that people will walk away knowing that it is okay to um and i call it a sacred space like creating the sacred space for people to be able to acknowledge what they are feeling emotionally, to say mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. Um, to walk with people through it and not try to, um, as you were just saying, you know, instead of trying to drag people to psychology, I'm saying instead of trying to drag people, you know, like out of their, their mm-hmm. whatever pit they may be in, it's like, I can come there where you are. That's right. That's I right. can come yeah. where you are and it's okay. You know, I'm not scared. You don't have to rush your way through this or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Um, but that's, that's what I hope. I hope that when we think about being the members of the body, <laughs> um, mm-hmm many members, right? And that we are interdependent. We have to 
We like we have to, especially in this day and time, loneliness is the epidemic, right? We have to be mindful of how can we ourselves even deal with our own issues and limitations mm-hmm. so that when we do interact with the other members, we are healthy and we can be we can be healthy for them mm-hmm. and we can also help them to become more healthy if they're in places where you know, they, they are a little bit more depressed or anxious or lonely mm-hmm. for legitimate reasons. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, it's, it's not, um, when I say legitimate reasons, I know that people can say, you know, um, when we think about grief, well, you know, such and such wouldn't want you to be sitting around. Mm-hmm. Like you get on back out there and everything. It's like, no, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, you know, give them space to feel this void, to feel F-E-E-L, F-E-E-L rather, right. <laughs> feel the void mm-hmm. before we try to fill it, F-I-L-L. Yes. Yes. So, um, but I do mm-hmm. think that we have to deal with our own, again, lived experiences. What are our traumas that will rush Rush us to want to rush other people through yeah. those things. Well, yeah. the absolute discomfort. Our discomfort. That's right. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and it's it uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Emotions are That's contagious. Right. That's right. Yes. Yes. And I think, and it, I think part of it is that you also you love that person. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, mm-hmm. assuming you love that person, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as, as a verb, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they, that's right. That's you right. love that person, that's right. And you want, and yes, your discomfort is on the table, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But you probably you really want to see a corrective emotional per- mm-hmm. experience for that person. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want something to change, you know, for them. And so sometimes um, that de- that desire, that passion, can get the best of us. That's you know, right. So we end up trying to drag them out, that's you know, right. that's right. Um, that's before right. prematurely, mm-hmm. you know, prematurely mm-hmm. before they're really ready, mm-hmm. you know, to to come out into mm-hmm. the light. That's know, right. To use the language. That's people. right. That's right. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I would love, uh, uh, Dr. Monique, if you can, uh, I, I just want to invite you to, to dream at this moment mm-hmm. about, you know, in light of um, what the Surgeon General said mm-hmm. you know, about loneliness, mm-hmm. being an, uh, an epidemic, I mean, comparable to smoking daily. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually think they said several packs a day, but, you mm-hmm. know, but it's, it's very dangerous. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's lethal. You know, um, can you dream up what it might look like for the church mm-hmm. <laughs> to really provide an intervention, mm-hmm. you know, into as one who worked in the church for, for 16 years, you know, across demographics um, within the black church. Can you kind of just dream, you know, right now, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but what would that look like for the church, you know, to be um, to be able to provide an intervention mm-hmm. into this epidemic of loneliness that is going on right now? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. The many ways I can answer that. Mm-hmm. One way that immediately comes to mind and what has been a burden for me, even concerning the church, is generationally yes. speaking, yeah. bringing even the generations together. I it's think that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I I just think that in this day and time, it's, it's, it can be easy for the church to reinforce kind of the disconnect among the generations. Absolutely. When you think about, yes. you know, you go to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got children's church and I'm not, you know, saying these things are not good things, but I am saying that if you come Absolutely. and everybody yeah. goes in separate ways, where the do you ever have the time here. to, 
married people go. Yeah. Like, the men go here, the women. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, where do you have this opportunity again, as I was saying beforehand, where do we bring people, you know, together, like yeah. in the middle, if you will, like the school, what is the core? Mm -hmm. What is that nucleus that is holding people together, which I hope Jesus is the center, right? right. Um, but I do, I would love to see more intergenerational yeah. connection. Yeah, yeah. I think that there are babies that are in nurseries that can be held. Maybe they don't get it from their own parents for whatever the reason. And I think that there are older people who probably did not have grandchildren of their own or, mm. you know, their their grandbabies are grown now or whatever that would love to be able to connect and hold that baby and just rock that baby. Yeah. Um, I think that those are ways that That's you good. can um, quell some of that loneliness within the church. And I also just think that the church really does have to focus in on um, emotional health as a form of discipleship. That's right. That's, that's yes. just where I sit. It's yes. kind of the work that I do. You Vi know? Vitally important. Yes. Vitally, vitally important. Yes. And until we address some mm -hmm. of the emotional issues that, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, all of us have, right? But if we, we we're going to have to talk about those things um, more directly yeah. and to be mm -hmm. able to acknowledge it and call it by its rightful name so that we can have more healthy relationships Amen. so that yeah. we can have more healthy relationships and i do believe that once we can have you know healthier people um dealing with first and yeah. foremost self that intrapersonal relationship saying i i want to make certain that i am healthy as i am interacting with other people um addressing whatever biases i may have or you know whatever yeah. else the case may be yeah. um being able to um have that 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 relationship first and foremost with with self mm -hmm. and then from that healthy place giving to others yeah that's good mm -hmm. especially yeah. in the church especially mm -hmm. in the church that reminds me of uh, Pete's Cazero's work, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, right? Yes. And um, yes. and how, how a person can be called, saved, sanctified, yes. filled with the Holy Ghost, yes. and bitter, yes. and short-tempered, yes. and yeah, accusatory, yes. and easily frustrated, yes. and going off. The, I mean, yes. all that stuff can be on the same table. And That's it, and right. It, and you, and you can still be a child of God. That's right. And still be so unhealthy. That's right. Mm -hmm. That That's nobody right. can recognize that you're. That's a child right. Of God. That's right. And and his work and and many before him mm -hmm. really help us to live more congruently. So mm -hmm. that our witness is not compromised. That's right. By the fact that we haven't dealt with the. That's Done the emotional work, yeah. That's exactly. going on with us. Yeah. I am so grateful to yeah. have you here today. Yeah. We can talk oh, to you, you. Oh, much yeah. longer. We really could <laughs> talk to you much longer thank today. You. But I hope that when people listen in, they begin to hear. Um, the compassion that you lead with mm. um, and just the way in which, I mean, you, you give compassion over to others when you communicate with them, Dr. Mo, and that allows them to be more self-compassionate mm -hmm. so that healing can start. So yeah. it, it's been a privilege and an honor to have you Thank at the table you. today. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. Love being you. here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and actually, even before we go, can you talk to our sisters at the table? Tell them how they can follow your work and um, get connected to you because you do, you know, um, quite a, some extensive, you know, counseling yeah. work. Sure. Yeah. So they can um, check out my website. It's DrMoniqueSmithGatson.com. Mm -hmm. uh, I am probably most active on Instagram. I mm -hmm. just can't get into 
Twitter or yeah. X or whatever it is yeah. today. What it is is confusion. There you go. So, the like, I just don't need that. I just don't invite and, any and extra. Propaganda, but I'm, I'm, that's a whole other episode. Okay, that's a whole okay. different whole episode. episode. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so Instagram, they can find me um, at Dr. Moni Smith Gatson as well. Um, I'm there on Twitter, but yeah, I don't do anything there. Just, yeah. And mm-hmm. Facebook, the same way. So yeah, all those Wonderful. platforms, the same thing. Wonderful. So thank you. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for sitting at the table with us. Yeah, <laughs> so fun.